Um, so let's get our Bibles out. Um, Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. Um, is anybody cold now? Or are we okay? Okay. Genesis 18. Um, we'll read a little story. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20. So that's Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I'll know. Over to uh, chapter 19 and verse 15. So Genesis chapter 19 and verse 15. Sorry, I better explain the in-between bit. I did jump ahead there. Apologies. So, yes, so this is obviously a story about Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says there the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah was great. And, uh, and God, the Lord God said that I'll go down now and, and investigate to see if this cry of it is true or if not. But as long as I know that um, I'm, um, there's this sin in this place called Sodom and Gomorrah, this uh, horrible sin, the way people are leading their lives, and uh, investigates and finds that, yes, it's true. Um, there are a couple of angels that were sent and they were treated badly, um, or attempted to treat badly, and just the iniquity and the sin of this place of Sodom and Gomorrah was great, and uh, that you know, was so great that the cry came up to heaven, and the Lord wanted wanted to check it out to see whether He should fix it up. So well, then we get to uh, chapter nineteen and verse fifteen. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, "Arise." Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the, in the iniquity of the city. And while he, being Lot, lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So that there... Verse 16, I've always seen as an encouraging aspect of when the Lord returns as well. Because it's like Lot and his family had lived in Sodom for a while. I don't know if you remember the story that uh, Lot and Abraham left their homeland and uh, the Lord blessed them both. So they had many uh, servants and meant much stock and, and it says that the land was too small to, uh, to hold them both. And Abraham said to Lot, look, you pick either the east or the west and I'll take the other one. Lot chose the east, which included Sodom and Gomorrah because that land was very good. And Abraham uh, chose the west, which was the land of, or as, as a consequence, settled in the, or sojourned in the land of Canaan. So Lot and his family had been here for a while and they're surrounded by all this iniquity. And it says there that Lot lingered and the angels grabbed his hand and the hands of his family and rushed them along. 
And so we lead our lives here on earth. We've got things here on earth. It's our life. Um, But when the Lord comes back, we don't need to be afraid that if we linger for a while or you're half asleep or you're distracted or something because, hey, look, we'll be yanked off. And uh, and this, just like uh, this uh, verse 16 says. So we go to um, verse 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So these people have been rescued from the destruction that's about to happen to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Jump to uh, verse 23. So Exodus 19 and verse 23. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So she was consumed as well because uh, she so yearned to be a part of that life that was in, in Sodom, which is where they lived. But Gomorrah was destroyed as well. So we, this title of this talk is Vengeance, okay? And this story here where the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, their sin was so great that the Lord then destroyed them. Now, this is Old Testament, as we understand. We know this is an Old Testament, and therefore, reading through spiritual eyes, there's a type there. Um, But there are other things as well, like other real things to do with this story. Um, And so the Lord, talking about vengeance, he took it upon himself to uh, to clean up that place, to remove um, this cry that was coming to him in heaven, of the, all the sin. Um, and as a result, the place was left desolate. You know, he um, uh, fire and brimstone, yeah, brimstone and fire that he rained down on there and all, all living things uh, were, were scorched, uh, including uh, Lot's wife who, uh, who so yearned to be there. So go to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 24. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 24. It says here, Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled, Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out also, when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit 
not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. This is a, a commandment given to the nation of Israel before they enter their promised land, which was Canaan. And what it's saying there is the people that lived in there, because of their sin and their abominations, the land itself was defiled, and the land itself will spew them out. And I often think about this, it's like uh, um, today... Um, there's a, a big movement about climate change, uh, which seems to be happening. There seems to be change in the climate. And um, people, and what's known as desertification, where the land dies because it's become desert. Um, and I often think about this passage because it's the, the sin and iniquity of a people that defiles the land. Okay? And... Uh, today we're trying to find all sorts of reasons why and there may be a slight impact here and there but the, the crux of it all as it says here is that the sin and iniquity is what defiles the land. Uh, in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah there was that uh, very present thing where their sin and iniquity led to complete destruction and desertification of that area. But here the Lord's trying to encourage his chosen people, look, you will go into this promised land called Canaan now. You'll go in there and I have, I will take away or the land will vomit out the current inhabitants and when you're there, stick with it. You know, don't be wooed by these other uh, abominations that are around you because then the land will spew you out as well. You know, that somehow... Uh, the Lord will find a way to, uh, to, uh, for vengeance. Um, that's the way that the Lord is. He doesn't like seeing the cry of sin and iniquity coming up before him, uh, at, like it, it was worded with uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah example that I read. And so encouraging the nation of Israel, his chosen people, that, hey, look, I am the Lord your God, don't defile it. You know, continue following my uh, ordinances and uh, you'll be blessed and you'll remain on that land uh, which will not spew you out. Um, Jeremiah chapter 50. They're fairly weighty scriptures, aren't they? And here's a fairly weighty passage, a bit of reading in Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah chapter 50. And verse 33. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 33. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the children of Israel and the children of Judah were oppressed together. And all that took them captives held them fast. They refused to let them go. Their redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He shall throughly plead their cause, that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. A sword is upon the Chaldeans, saith the Lord, and upon the inhabitants of Babylon, and upon their princes, and upon their wise men. Excuse me. A sword is upon their liars, and they shall dote. A sword is upon their mighty men, and they shall be dismayed. 
A sword is upon their horses and upon their chariots and upon all the mingled people that are in the midst of her, and they shall become as women. A sword is upon her treasures, and they shall be robbed. A drought is upon her waters, and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. Therefore the wild beasts of the desert with the wild beasts of the island shall dwell there, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbour cities thereof, saith the Lord, so shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the coasts of the earth. And they shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. And they shall ride upon horses, every one put in array, like a man to the battle. Against thee, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon hath heard the report of them, and his hands waxed feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of Jordan unto the habitation of the strong. But I will make them suddenly run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me? And who will appoint me the tithe? And who is the shepherd that will stand before me? Therefore hear ye the counsel of the Lord, that he hath taken against Babylon and his purposes, that he hath purposed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he shall make their habitation desolate with them, as at the noise of the taking of Babylon. The earth is moved and the cry is heard among the nations. So Babylon um, invaded Judah and took them captive, removed from them, them from the promised land. Uh, it was God's judgment on them because um, they did end up committing sin and iniquity. But because they did that to God's chosen people, God uh, was in a position by his righteous judgment that vengeance belonged to Babylon as well. And draws the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is used as an example uh, in this prophecy in the same way Babylon will become destitute uh, because of their, um, their graven images and it says that they're mad upon their idols uh, and it uh, infers in verse 44 like that they've got shepherds that stand before God you know, or stand up to God uh, thinking that they're better than God. Um, sounds similar to today. And so their end will be destruction and where Babylon is is a desert today and um, there's a couple of people that live there but you couldn't imagine that a, a, such a, a phenomenal nation would be born from such a deserted place because it wasn't deserted like that uh, when Babylon was first established. But because of what they did to God's chosen people, God uh, put an end to them in a, in a dramatic way and this prophecy here was fulfilled so that their cry uh, would not be heard anymore, the sin that would not be heard. 
In fact, uh, their cry will be heard among the nations that, uh, that their, their land was lost. So God exacted vengeance in his time, okay? Uh, and we can read the stories elsewhere in the Old Testament. Uh, there, uh, it was the Persian, Medo-Persians, that invaded Babylon itself when uh, the king of Babylon saw the writing on the wall and, uh, and took it over. And then there was King Cyrus who, uh, of uh, the Medo-Persians that allowed God's people to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild it. Uh, and there were other ones as well uh, that allowed different things to happen, but it was God who did it. It was uh, an edict that came from the king to allow them to go back. Um, the Jews, as they were known in Babylon for the first time, they didn't rise up as an army to take things back again by force. Uh, in fact, uh, there were some instances where... Um, Israel tried in their own strength and they failed. You know, like they had to wait until God allowed them that vengeance was the time that God appointed. Okay? It will come and, uh, and it'll come as God designs it, as God prophesies of it, like in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, like in the case of um, Babylon, but when he wants it to happen. Okay? Um, and then, just uh, for a bit of spiritual completeness, Revelation chapter 11. So they are Old Testament scriptures, uh, very heavy scriptures, um, but they're, they're important, they're in the Bible for a start, but, but also like there is this uh, spiritual um, association with them as well. So Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7. So that's Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So spiritually speaking... There's a city that is called Sodom and Egypt. So this example of Sodom in the Old Testament applies today with a spiritual context. Spiritually, people are um, refusing to follow God's ways, doing things themselves and uh, loving their life of sin and rejecting um, anything that is good from God and raising themselves up. Uh, in, instead of God, spiritually speaking. So, uh, and that is what we see today, right? And it's been the case always. I mean, ever since Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. I mean, you can read so many other stories in the Old Testament that people have always been like that, spiritually speaking, even though they don't actually live in Sodom, but Sodom's raised up as this example um, that perpetuates today of um, uh, the way people lead their lives, but also God exacting his vengeance. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. 
and verse 29. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 29. Oh, that they were wise. Okay? And sometimes in Deuteronomy, there's a point where God's... You can... You can kind of sense his frustration. It's like, oh, only, if only. And uh, this is what God's saying is, ah, if only they were wise, if only, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them? And the Lord had shut them up. Um, for their rock is not our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed? Up among the treasures, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come up, come upon them, make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants, when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left, and he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted? So that rock, I mean, we read before one of the rocks, one of the rock words has a little letter and another one has a big letter. So the rock with the big letter R is Jesus Christ or God himself. But then when you you build your house, your life on another rock that crumbles and where, and that's what it says in verse 37, where is their rock now? in which they trusted. But the key point here with uh, the title of the talk is verse 35, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Okay? When there is wrong, God will make vengeance. That's what he does when there is wrong. But the key point is, in the examples I've read, is that it belongs to God. He doesn't want us to take it in our own hands. He is the almighty God. And I was just talking about it this morning, is like, you know, we can feel wronged. Uh, It often happens, we live in a community, and we want some sort of vengeance. Like, oh, how dare, you know, they, they did something bad against God. And we don't see anything happen. But that's God's prerogative. It's not ours. He knows everything. He knows their heart. He knows our heart. He knows the situation. He knows whether it was worthy of vengeance or not. And so if nothing happens, we still praise the Lord. Ah, the Lord decided that, hey, it wasn't uh, the way I wanted to see it happen. But if something does happen, okay, the Lord requited it appropriately. We didn't take it in our own strength to solve it all, to go through like a tornado and solve it ourselves. We leave it up to God. 
Because if God decides that a wrong needs to be righted, he will do it, right? And he will either do it in a dramatic fashion like what we've read here or he'll do it his own way. It's God's prerogative. And with that, we'll go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, a great little proverb, as a lot of the proverbs are. It's a good place to find good proverbs, is in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 17. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Pretty powerful, eh? So he doesn't want us to meddle with his work, especially when it comes to vengeance. When it comes to vengeance, the Lord wants us to leave it up to him. Because if we start meddling with it, even in our heart rejoicing when we see them uh, fall, the Lord's like, well, no, I don't want you to have that attitude. (laughs) Don't meddle with it. Leave it up to God. And that's hard to do. I mean, when I see an injustice, I don't know, there's something weird that happens within me, some fire in my belly. And, uh, and I've made a fool of myself many times as a result of this fire in my belly. When I see an injustice, I want to fix it. But the Lord's trying to tell us and encourage us, that, hey, it's his problem. Vengeance belongs to me and uh, me alone. Don't tangle it up. Don't sully it. Mess the waters. Leave it up to God. Don't even be glad in your heart when you see your enemy stumble. Okay, it's the Lord's prerogative. Okay? It's the Lord's prerogative. Jude, verse 5. Jude, verse 5. Jude, verse 5. And that's the remarkable thing is like, God is a God of judgment, right? And he spent a lot of time in the Old Testament trying to teach people how to judge righteously, right? Now we're filled with the Spirit. We have this thing in us that uh, we want to see judgment. You know, we have this ability to judge between what's right and wrong. But with things like vengeance and exacting vengeance, that's God's problem. You know, we don't have to worry about it. So Jude, verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, And the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves out of fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities, 
Yet, Michael, the archangel, and Michael's mentioned elsewhere, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. The Lord deal with it. Okay, even Michael, I suppose you say a really close mate of the Lord, who uh, did some important things for him, even him in his position said, nah, the Lord do it. Okay, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get all messed up and tangled up with uh, God's way of doing things, but you deal with it, Lord. Uh, Lord. And, um, and here it says in verse 7, like it says about Sodom and Gomorrah, are uh, set forth for an example. Right? And I often reflect, and well, how? An example, okay, as an example that uh, their sin and iniquity and they were destroyed, vengeance was exacted upon them. But even in our English language, we have a word that we still use that reminds us as an example of what they did and what the Lord thinks of them. It's the word sodomite, right? We still have that today as an example to remind us. And, uh, and that's what they are and that's what God wants is this, these, this, uh, these people to be used as an example of what happens, okay? Also, Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. And verse 6, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. So they should be a warning, okay, for all the people that are living like Sodomites, should be an example, a warning after, you know, that they can turn from their ways. Verse 7, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and in and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And that can be us as well as we're going about doing our business outside of the controlled environment of a spirit-filled meeting. We're amongst others telling jokes and talking about their lives and what's normal, you know, and uh, our soul can be vexed from day to day with these unlawful deeds. Um, But as the Lord delivered just Lot, he'll deliver us also. Um, Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, Bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. So plural angels. So not only Michael, but also others. Don't do the accusing. You know, it's God that does it. And yeah, we, we witness to people and uh, they tell us that, that their stories, how they're leading their lives. We want to see them get saved. We're not after an argument. 
We're not after um, saying, oh, you do this wrong, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. We want to get to a meeting and then I sit down before baptism and just have a bit of a chat about the commitment that's required, okay, and that they're happy to have that new life. But it's the Lord that cleans it up, okay, the Lord that does these things. It's his prerogative. And furthermore, add it further, the vengeance, you know, if, if he cleans it up in a very dramatic way, it's him that does it. Just go to Acts chapter 2. We read this a lot, and so we should, because it's an important couple of verses, but there's an important part after that. So we'll start in Acts 2.38. It's taking me a while to find it. Acts 2.38 says here, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord for the clarity in that one verse. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Something sunk in us. And uh, when we were called to save ourselves from this untoward generation, to be separate, like Lot, righteous Lot, that we did, and he filled us with the Holy Spirit. So we also go about looking for people who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, who want to be saved from this untoward generation, saved from the upcoming vengeance, because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. They may have something in them that understands that there will be an end. I mean, how many movies are there about the end of the world? We're pummeled with it. How many books are about the end of the world? Um, it's like something in a people that know that the world's going to end. I mean, even like the uh, greenhouse effect thing, they're all talking about the end of the world. It's like we're kind of yearning for the end of the world but we're looking for those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness to be saved from this untoward generation and realise that, hey, God's got it all in hand. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. So what about us? Leaving it up to God. And uh, we get to Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. Some good advice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. We are required to bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another, toward each other. You know, we're all part of the same family here. God's children. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. In other words, don't despise uh, God's heritage. Don't think yourself better than God's heritage, you know, or others worse than yourself. You know, be of low estate, humility. Verse 17. 
Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. That's how we lead our lives. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And what lies within us? The Holy Spirit. So it is possible. It is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit to live peaceably with all men. It's not to be an excuse. Oh, it wasn't possible. It didn't lie within me to live peaceably with that person. No, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Draw upon that. Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Refers to coals of fire. You know, that burning, you overcome a fire with water. So in the same way, overcome the evil with good. It's all part of our testimony and faith. Knowing God's got this vengeance thing sorted out. You know, I, um, we might have in our mind how it should be sorted it out, sorted out, but God's got it in his mind how it needs to happen because vengeance is his. Penultimate scripture, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Some more advice here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. You know, being gentle, not argumentative. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learnt and received and heard and seen in me, do. So we continue to rejoice in the Lord always. We continue to let our moderation be known. We continue to be careful for nothing. We continue to uh, leave it up to God. We continue to have faith in God that he'll sort it out his way. That's what we do. We continue to do that. And as a result, the God of peace shall be with you. And I, this is one thing I think about as well, is uh, if we decide to try to take it in our own hands to fix up a wrong uh, that, is, that we perceive has happened or has actually happened, where's the peace in trying to uh, get them back? You know, that grudge. There's no peace there. See, God's called us to peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. So if we follow these uh, directives, the God of peace shall be with us. Uh, And that's amazing. We can be happy and uh, knowing that God's got it all in hand and we don't have to worry about making it right because we know God will make it right. 
And uh, there's that peace in us. God knows. I love those two words. Uh, There's a a member of this fellowship who says it a lot. God knows. God knows. He's got it all in hand. And that's a remarkable place of peace that we can have. Back to the Old Testament, Judges chapter 6, last scripture. Spent a lot of time in the Old Testament, so I might as well finish in there too. Judges chapter 6. Talk about a book full of examples of people and their iniquity. Read the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. But also that God um, cares for his chosen people and will exact vengeance in his way when he calls a people. Judges chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, uh, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezerites, so the Lord of Peace, um, and that fear. So where there is fear, there is no peace. And this whole thing, you know, we read pretty dramatic stories about uh, the Lord's vengeance and how he that flaming fire and that destruction, and says elsewhere that the elements will melt with fervent heat, that um, that indeed this world will be dissolved. We can know these things, but the Lord wants us to be at peace and not be, not be afraid because, like with Lot, who was pulled out, we also will not die. We will dwell with him forever and because uh, he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And it's interesting how <coughs> Gideon called it Jehovah Shalom because the Lord told him not to fear. And Gideon understood that, hey, look, if I have no fear, then I have this peace that God's got it all in hand. Okay, thank you.